a few months back, I downloaded an app for my smartphone that was just an avenue for receiving podcasts. There's a pastor who's been a friend of ours since 1987. That's one of my favorite speakers. A man can really deliver the mail. He and his wife planted a few years ago a church in South Grand Prairie called Grace Fellowship. Their podcast is one of the first one I subscribed to. And the most recent sermon was preached by his wife, a sermon that you're going to hear here today. It was a phenomenal word, very encouraging. I came home and had my wife listen to it. I gave our women's pastor, Debbie Ellis. We just show our appreciation to Debbie for this awesome conference she had. Our women just had a great a weekend of hearing the word from other women that encourage them. The scriptures tell us to do that. Let the women minister to the women. It was a good weekend. And so Debbie listened to it. One thing led to the other. We contacted Pastor Deborah Oakley, and she agreed to come and speak at the women's conference. And I knew it was going to be phenomenal, and I invited her in advance. Sometimes I wait to the women's conference and like, oh, this is good. Can you speak Sunday morning? But I knew this is good word. I said, can you come and preach the sermon asleep? in the middle of a storm, and she's agreed to come. And so, Pastor Deborah Oakley from Grace Fellowship in South Grand Prairie, come and bring the word. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I want to begin by saying thank you so much to Pastor Allen and Yvette for inviting me to come. I'm honored to be here. And I really have to say, I've been in a lot of churches, and I've traveled really around the world and spoken churches, but I've never felt as home as I do right here. And we just have the same DNA, don't we? I love that. And I love your pastors. And you know what? They love you. You know, Paul talked about the people of God. And he said, those who I love and I long for. He called them his joy and his crown. And I know that's how your pastors feel about you. It, Paul said that the church of God was his glory and his joy. And I know that that's how your pastors feel about you. I can tell you have been well fed. I can tell that you love God. And that's probably why I feel so at home here. You know, there's many churches, but one body. And we're all a part of one another. Amen? Amen. All right, Pastor Allen asked me after the first service, he said, someone wanted to know, are you Italian? And I'm like, yes, and I wonder what, yeah, exactly. I wonder why they thought that you're going to find that out in just a minute. <laughs> I preach with my hands. Is that okay? <laughs> All right. I want to tell you a short story. I'm going to try to do this really quickly so we can get right into the Word. But God gave, put this on my heart this morning, okay? And I'm kind of telling on myself a little bit here. I woke up this morning, got all ready, everything was going really great, ready to go, had all my clothes on except for my jacket that I'm wearing. Walking out the door, I thought, okay, it's time to put on my jacket. I go get the jacket off the hanger, and about that point, I was having thoughts I had to repent for because the dry cleaner gave me someone else's jacket. And I looked at that jacket because our dry cleaner does this all the time. But we can't complain too much. No, they do. But we get dry cleaning free. My son does trades. And so how can you complain about free dry cleaning? But he does it all the time. We, so we write down what we send to the dry cleaner. I looked at this jacket. looked like it was mine. I put it on this morning. It's probably three sizes too big. So I have four safety pins holding my jacket closed. <laughs> 
I'm like, Jesse, my friend and my, Jesse, stand up. I want to honor her. She has served me so faithfully all weekend. I should have honored you earlier. I'm sorry, Jesse. So anyways, the story, I'm t- the reason I'm telling you this story, I believe God wants someone to hear this. Listen to the still, small voice of the Lord, even in the little things. Because do you know, before I left the house, I kept hearing, go get that other black jacket out of your closet, just in case you need a second black jacket. Go get that second, that other jacket out of your closet. And I just ignored it. I didn't go do it. And today God said to me, Deb, I was trying to tell you. I was trying to save you that, that frustration this morning trying to pin this jacket on me. So when you hear God speaking, even in those little things, just listen to the voice of the Lord, that still small voice, because he cares about everything concerning us, doesn't he? Amen, amen. Well, I love you guys, and I'm ready to bring the word. As Pastor Allen said, my message is called Asleep in the Boat in the Middle of a Storm. Uh, and we're going to have some PowerPoint here in a moment, but... Uh, I want to start out by saying this. Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy, the Moore, Oklahoma tornado. All of us remember the devastation these storms caused. As a matter of fact, I talked to Pastor Allen after my first service, after the first service, and he said that you guys had one of those storms come through here and that I suppose it, it hit some of the, uh, what was that called again, the homes? the Habitat for, human- for Humanity homes, and wiped out about 50 of those. So, uh, you know, you understand the devastation that storms can cause. Katrina, that hit New Orleans and coastal states in 2005, resulted in 1,833 deaths and flooded 80% of that city. Hurricane Sandy was one of the most destructive hurricanes of the 2012 Atlantic hurricane season. It had $68 billion in damages and killed 286 people in seven countries and 24 states in the U.S. More recent was the Moore, Oklahoma tornado of 2013. That tornado was a mile wide. It it hit... um, Two miles, it had a two-mile destruction zone, traveled 20 miles in 40 minutes, and uh, had winds of 200 miles an hour. And I guess that was right before that storm, that the storm hit here. So you guys understand this devastation that storms can cause. And in our passage today, the disciples were caught in a very furious storm, much like all of these. And I want to read to you out of Matthew 8, 23 through 27. You can turn in your Bible or you can follow along on the PowerPoint. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now. It's okay to say amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Good preaching. (laughs) My husband always says that. You can say good preaching. Amen will do, okay? Matthew 8, 23. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. You ever felt that way? He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? And he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? 
Even the winds and the waves obey him. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Now, in that passage that we just read, the disciples were caught in this dangerous storm. And they were afraid. Now, in the natural, really, who could blame them? You see, the storm was on the Sea of Galilee. And Galilee, which I've had the honor and privilege of being able to visit, it's known for its dangerous storms. It always has been. Because it's surrounded by mountains. And when the cool air would come over those mountains, and it would mix with the warm sea air, it would cause a violent storm, even to this day. And the disciples had seen this happen. They understood the devastation that these storms could cause. And you see, they believed that this powerful storm could destroy them all. What they didn't believe was that Jesus was more powerful than the storm. That is what they did not believe. You see, they didn't believe that Jesus would protect them. They did not believe that he cared about them. And they believed that he would let them drown. You see, that was what they were, why they were so afraid. Here the boat was. It was being rocked to and fro. But Jesus was asleep. The waters were crashing against the boat. But Jesus was asleep. Lightning was flashing. Thunder was crashing. But Jesus was asleep. And just as the disciples faced a literal storm, we all face spiritual storms. It feels so much just like this, doesn't it? The storms of life can be devastating, as spiritually devastating as Katrina, Hurricane Sandy, and the Oklahoma tornado were physically. You already know the title of my sermon. Asleep in a boat in the middle of the storm. And today, we're going to see that no matter how dangerous the storm, church, Jesus is in control. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus cares. He's not going to let you drown. He is the master of the sea. And the winds and the waves obey him. Can you say amen? Amen. So today, I'm going to be using the acrostic storm for my outline. S is for storms develop suddenly. Don't you love how that works? All of a sudden, T is for storms develop trust. O is for storms develop obedience. R is for storms develop for a reason. And M is for storms develop maturity. So let's talk about number one. Storms develop suddenly. Look, Matthew 8.24 says, without warning. Isn't that just the way it is? A furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. Have you ever noticed you can be going along in life Everything is working good. Seems like everything you touch turns to gold. It's all going your way. And then all of a sudden, everything starts falling apart. So good one minute and so bad the next. So easy one moment and so hard the next. So fulfilling one minute and so meaningless the next. Storms develop suddenly. You see... 
One minute, the sun can be shining. Everything is going your way. The next minute, lightning's flashing, thunder's crashing, and nothing is going your way. You've been there? I've been there. The phone rings, and you're in the midst of a storm. You go to the doctor, and suddenly it's a terrible storm. Your boss lets you go, and you feel like you're drowning. Your spouse wants a divorce. And all of a sudden, you're sinking. A child comes home drunk or pregnant, and your boat just capsizes. You're tipped over. You're underwater. Not long ago, my husband and I experienced a very sudden storm. We had just returned from a trip in Italy. And prior to that trip, we had two years, the best years of our life. I kind of started thinking nothing bad or difficult was ever going to happen again. It was like there was this just protection around us. Two great years. We take this trip to Italy for two weeks, had the time of our life. We're on the top of the world. No sooner do we get home. I mean, the very weekend, we get a phone call. And our worship pastor has resigned. Now, that's a storm. If you're a pastor, that is a storm. He was also our executive pastor, and his wife was our children's pastor. So three key positions, two people whom we loved so much, who we were counting on, who we'd invested our lives into, it left a huge vacuum in our church. Things went from functioning so smoothly to all of a sudden in this controlled chaos instantly. We went from smooth sailing to being in a major storm like that. Storms develop suddenly and without warning. But there's a purpose in the storm. Second point is storms develop trust or faith. You see, in Matthew 8, the the disciples thought they had three problems. I would probably have agreed with them. They thought their three problems were a serious storm, a sinking ship, and a sleeping Savior. But the serious storm and the sinking ship and the sleeping Savior were not their problem. Their problem was a lack of faith. Matthew 8.25 says, The disciples went and woke him up. I can just see us doing this, saying, Lord, save us! We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? I can just see Jesus saying that. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to trust God when everything is going your way? Does it really take a whole lot of trust, does it, when everything goes your way? But then when adversity strikes, what happens? The minute things get tough, we lose faith. We start fearing the very worst. You see, verse 25 tells us the disciples were afraid they were going to drown. Verse 24 explains why. A furious storm had come up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. You see... It sounds natural to us, doesn't it? Is it any wonder they were afraid of drowning? Probably any one of us in this room would have felt the same way out on that Sea of Galilee. Yet, Jesus sees their fear as a lack of faith. I want you to listen to the meaning of the the phrase, little faith. It means incredulous. 
or unwilling to believe and completely unconvinced. Any of you ever been there? Completely unconvinced. Come on, if we're honest, we know we have been. Lacking confidence. Ah, that's sad if you think about it. That we lack confidence in Christ. Little faith. But you know, to us it's understandable to be afraid in a storm. But to Jesus, we lack the confidence that he can save us. It's not hard to have faith when everything is going good. Come on, it's when things are going bad. That's when you see how much faith you really have. You see, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when you can't find your way, and it seems like Jesus is asleep in the middle of your storm. That's when you have to believe, come on, that God will save you. That's the time, church. Put on your spiritual armor. Get that shield of faith up. Come on. Rise up right now. Let the let God just cause that to rise up in you. Get out that shield of faith. Get out that sword of the Spirit. Satan, you will not cause me to sink. Satan, you will not bring destruction. Get into God's Word. That's the time to get into God's Word and to get God's Word in you. That is the time to fight. Fight the enemy and to trust in the faithfulness of God because He is faithful. Psalms 89.8 I love this. O oh Lord God Almighty who is like you? I can tell you that no one. You are mighty O oh Lord. And your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When the waves mount up, you still them. Hallelujah. Amen to that. When life's storms are raging, we need God's word to build our faith. Without that word hidden in your heart, you're going to sin against him. You've got to have the word. And every time you're tempted to doubt, you ask God to give you a specific scripture and speak it out loud. Listen, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor right after we started Grace Fellowship Church. I was told it was the size of a tennis ball. God healed that that brain tumor. But I got the word in me. And here, it was so simple. It was so short. I kept saying, at what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. At what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. At what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. That is that easy. You get the word and you start to speak it out of your mouth. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? So what he did in the passage today, Mark says, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet. That's all it takes. One word out of his mouth. Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. I love that. Jesus spoke the word and calmed the storm. And so can we. So I want us to do that this morning. I want us to speak the word out loud. I want to put you in that place where you're comfortable speaking that word out loud. I teach my people, get a word, memorize the word, start saying it throughout the day, meditate on it, speak it. So I want us to do that. I want you to repeat after me, and it's on the screen. Oh, Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, oh, Lord. 
And your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. That is how faith is developed. That'd be a great word next time you're going through a hard time. It's a little long. Grab a portion of it and start speaking it. Speaking God's word over and over and over and over is what increases our faith. A while ago, I was, a, I was counseling a young wife on the telephone. And uh, her and her husband had been arguing and arguing and arguing. I know this couple very well. And it had gotten to the point where it was so bad. And he was so upset that he basically had just hardened his heart. He didn't want to have anything really to do with God. Uh, It looked like he was probably going to try to leave her. Uh, It just seemed really hopeless. As a matter of fact, in the midst of this conversation, I was feeling hopeless. Here I'm the counselor and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is going to take a miracle to turn this dude's heart around. And then God dropped Ezekiel 11:19 right into my heart. And I looked it up and I started to quote this to her. I shall take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statues and keep my ordinances and do them. And we just started speaking that word. I started praying that word over her husband. It was like a life ring to both of us. And by the end of that conversation, we both had all kinds of faith going on there. You see, it's the Word of God that increases our faith. It's a life preserver in the storm. He cares so much for us that He gave us His Word to sustain us in the storms of life. Yet, what do we do in the middle of the storm? You know what we do? We start thinking, God, what are you doing? God, you don't care. We find ourselves asking those two questions, those two, that one question, two words, why God? Why God? If we're honest, you know we do it. Why God? Why did this happen to me? Why did you allow it? God, do you even care? Do you even care? In Mark's gospel, it says, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And many times, that's how we feel. We feel so alone. We feel like God's abandoned us. We feel like he's nowhere to be found. The heavens feel like brass. We get fearful, and we think he doesn't care. And they did this. They asked this question, don't you care, because Jesus was asleep during the storm. So the disciples decided he didn't care. And sometimes it feels that way, like he's asleep in our storm and like he doesn't care. But listen to Psalms 12.1. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Hallelujah. You see, no matter what storm you're going through, God is not asleep. He knows exactly what you're going through. And He cares for you. You know, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on Him. Why? Because He cares for us. 
Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. You can trust Jesus no matter what you're going through. You see, the disciples were afraid. They doubted Jesus. They thought he didn't care. But I love this. They still cried out, Jesus, Lord, save us. And he did. If that's all you can say is, Lord, save us, he will. And when we're in a storm or a difficult situation, go to Jesus. Lord, save me. When you're at the end of your rope, go to Jesus and say, Lord, save me. When you're discouraged or depressed or down and out, and when you need to go to Jesus and say, Lord, save me. And when you ask the Lord, to save you he will he is faithful he'll speak to your storm and he'll bring peace in the midst of the storm if you trust him he'll calm your storm He'll calm the storm in your marriage. He'll calm the storm in your family. He'll calm the storm in your health, in your children. Jesus will arise to calm your storm. Amen. Matthew 8:24 says a storm arose. Verse 26 says Jesus arose. When the storms arise, church, so does Jesus. Can you say amen? Matthew actually says, I love this, he got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. All was calm. Even when those storms are raging, all can be calm. You're going to be calm in here. More likely before it's calm out there. Calm in here. Peace in the midst of the storm. Your life might seem right now like complete chaos. But when God arises and rebukes the enemy, he can turn your complete chaos into a complete calm. He's the master of the sea. And when God arises, you know what? Your enemy has to flee. Psalm 68, 1 says, May God arise and our enemies be scattered. So I'm asking you a question right now. Can you trust God in your storms? Some of you are in storms. Some of you aren't. All of us go through storms. You might not be in one today. I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, (laughs) but you will be in one at some point. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. But this morning, I want to ask you, can you trust God in your storm? The third point, storms develop obedience. You see, the most difficult storms in life require patience. Here's what patience means. It means delays. Don't you love those? Detours and disappointments. You see, 
to obey or disobey, disobey is the choice that we have to make during those times of delays, detours, and disappointments. You get to choose. And that's why I'm telling you our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, let's be honest. A lot of times when we're in the midst of that storm, we think our way is better than God's way. That was a hard realization when that hit me. But you know how we know that? Because we think we know what God should do. We really do. And we're just, our prayers most of the time are telling God what to do, right? We think we know how God should do it, when God should do it, and when he should do it is like uh, yesterday or like uh, right now. For over seven years, my husband and I have believed God for land in a building for our church. We're bursting at the seams. We're out of children's space. Oh, Jesus, help us talk about storms. We all share offices. My husband and I sit right next to each other at desks all day long. How do you, know, how do you think I got this sermon? No. <laughs> it is a challenge, people, let me tell you. I love him. But, you know, there can be too much togetherness. And, but God has used that in our lives. But we've been believing God for land and, and for a building, I'm telling you, we thought we would have it long ago. If you were to ask me, I would say God's about five years late. I'll never understand it. I don't know why we don't have a building. We've done everything we know to do. There's been many delays, many detours, many disappointments. And if you'd have told me it would be five years, that, that we'd be at this place after seven years, I would have said, no way. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. No, God is going to give us our land and our building. But every time it didn't go our way, we had so many opportunities and every one of the doors closed. And we don't get it, you know. God, we have children that need space. You know, we're trying to be a light out in that darkness. Why can't we find land in a building? But every time we were disappointed, every time we got, had to get down on our face and cry out in our hearts to God, every time we had a choice, Choosing to trust God and believe him or choosing to disobey. And I'm here to tell you, we're not taking one step that isn't following him. We'll stay right where we are because we have chosen to believe God is in complete control. Even though we can't understand it. You know what? God knows and we're going to believe he's always on time. You know what? This might be news to you, but guess what? God doesn't need a wake-up call. I got my little God alarm clock. And I want to set it, and I want it to go off, and God's going to move because I set that alarm, and it's time. But you know what? God doesn't oversleep. Doesn't matter what you do. He's going to do it in his time and his way. I'm still learning that. I still want it now. Any of you relate to that? Till he does, here's what we have to do. Trust and obey. It's like the old song says. I'm not going to try to sing it. I wouldn't do that to you this morning. (laughs) Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that's what God wants us to do. In the midst of our storm is to obey him. Our fourth point, storms develop for a reason. You see, some 
Christians believe that all storms are because they sinned. A storm comes and, oh, the condemnation gets on us. What have I done? I'm such a loser Christian. How can I call myself a Christian? But let me tell you what, I don't believe that. Listen to verse 23. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. That's the end of that verse. <laughs> they followed him. Luke 8:22 says it like this. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. The disciples were led into the storm by following Jesus. You see, sometimes we are in storms because we have followed the Lord. And following him does not exempt us from the storms of life. Some storms are a result of following Jesus. But you've got to discern which it is. You see, obedience to God's will does not guarantee smooth sailing. We make a big mistake when we think it does. Because the minute the storm comes, oh, I miss God. And we go hightailing it out of there. No. Secondly, Jesus was right in the middle of the storm. Last time I checked, Jesus never sinned. But he was in a storm. Storms are not always a result of sin. Sometimes they are. But sometimes they're not. So let's look at some reasons why we go through storms. Some storms we cause, like Jonah. Take him, for example. He ran from the Lord, the scripture says. It was his stubbornness and his rebellion that caused a storm. From that point on, it was all downhill. He went down to Tarshish. He went down in the heart of the ship. He went down into the sea. He went down into the belly of the whale. Jonah's life was spiraling down. So you see... Once you decide not to follow God, there's one way to go, and that is down. That is down. Don't go your own way. Some storms Satan causes. Satan can cause a storm to keep us from our destiny. You've got to know which storm you're dealing with. If it's a storm because you're being obedient or you're going after your destiny, don't give up. 1 Thessalonians 2.17 says... That Paul made, now we're talking Paul, who wrote two-thirds, I believe, of the New Testament. Paul made every effort again and again to go to Thessalonica, but Satan caused a storm to stop him. Some storms Satan causes. Some storms God causes. Jeremiah 23, 19, see the storm of the Lord? It will burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. So storms develop for different reasons by different sources, but one thing is always the same, no matter what. Number five, last point, storms develop maturity. They really do. You are not going to come out of a storm unchanged. You're going to either be better or you're going to be bitter. You're either going to be better or you're going to be worse, but you will be changed, okay? James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy. When's the last time you thought, thank you, Jesus, thank you for this trial. Thank you, God, for this storm. Because it's going to make me mature, God. Consider it joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith, hallelujah, develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be 
mature and complete. Have you asked God to make you more mature? Have you asked God to make you complete? Have you asked God to keep you from lacking anything? Mm. Then do you wonder why trials come? Ah, okay. Storms will test our faith. It will teach us to persevere. It will mature us. What you do and say during a storm, that is a good indication of how mature you really are. You squeeze a lemon and see what comes out. You get lemon, make lemonade. Luke 8 says, in fear and amazement, the disciples ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey them. Jesus calms the storm. And the first thing the disciples say is, who is this? After all Jesus had done, they still didn't know who he was. That very day, the disciples saw him cleanse a leper and heal the sick and cast out demons. Wouldn't you think they would have had the faith to believe that he could calm the storm? I'd like to think I would. Wouldn't you like to think you would? But instead, their immature faith was exposed by the storm. They were amazed that Jesus could even answer their prayer. Now, before you're too hard on those disciples, have you ever had that happen? You cry out to God, Oh, God, I need you to move in my life. I need a miracle. Then God does it, and you're like, Oh, my gosh, he did it. Have you ever been shocked when God answers one of your prayers? I know I have. Like, wow. I, I've, I've even said these words. I can't believe God did that. I just can't even believe God has done that. It's like, really? What does that tell you? You know, so after all he's done, we're still amazed when he shows his power. I do believe, I really do, that Jesus will take us the easiest way possible. Don't you want to go the easiest way possible? I do. I believe that he will, but sometimes it takes a storm to show us how immature we really are. And that is usually when we cry out for help. That's when we're on our knees. And that is when God answers us. In the storm, on our face, crying out to God. Job 46 says, I love this. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's encouraging. That word spoke in the Hebrew means to eye. I love that. To heed, to pay attention, to respond, to begin to speak. You might be in the middle of the worst storm of your life, but take courage. God is about to speak. Hallelujah. God is paying attention. His eye is on you and you and you. And guess what? He has 20-20 vision. He's not blind or short-sighted. He never loses sight of what you are going through. He's watching over you and he is keeping you safe from harm. Whether it feels like it or not, he's also developing maturity in the midst of your storm. I'm almost finished. In our passage today, the disciples prayed, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Do you see the contradiction in that prayer? 
You see, Lord, save us. That's the language of faith. We're going to drown is the language of fear. Faith and fear are spiritual opposites. They can't coexist at the same time. Vacillating between faith and fear shows our immaturity. But have you ever noticed that some people can sleep right through a storm? I can sleep right through a storm. I'm one of those people. Joe will wake up in the morning. Did you hear that storm, babe? No, was there a storm? Slept right through it. Others wake up through the storm, and it, it wakes them. It disrupts their sleep. Jesus is the guy peacefully sleeping in the midst of the storm. He's the one asleep on the boat. You know, he didn't lose any sleep because he had no fear. And maturity means becoming like Christ. The more mature you are, the more like Christ you will be. And the more like Christ you are, the more you will be able to sleep in the boat in the middle of the storms of your life. Can you say amen? You'll be able to sleep because when you're depressed... Not because you're depressed, but because you're at rest. Not because you're at ease, but because you have peace. Not because of the place, but because you have faith. Not because of the sand man, but because of the son of man. Not because of a sleeping pill, but because you're in God's will. Amen. You will sleep. Storms may develop suddenly, but when they do, God will develop your trust. And if you will develop a life of obedience to his will and recognize that the storms develop for a reason and through the storm, God will develop maturity in your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You may stand. I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to ask Pastor Allen to come on up. I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn it over to him. Father, I pray for these precious, Amazing people. I know, God, there are many here today that are probably going through a difficult storm in their life. I pray, God, that you will reveal to them that you are with them in the middle of that storm. I pray, God, that they will have faith. I pray that, God, they will trust you. I pray, Father, that the storm will be as brief and as as swift as possible, God. And that you'll deliver them out of that storm. Give them hope, God. Give them hope that you are a deliverer, even in the midst of our storms. And that your plans for us are for good and not for harm. That we're not going to drown. We're not going to sink. We can have no fear because our eyes are on you. And you are the master of the sea. And you calm our storms. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, each and every one of you. Thank you for having me. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just extend our hands towards Deborah and let's pray for their congregation. Lord, we thank you for sending our sister here to minister words of life to our sisters here. And thank you, Lord, that the brothers got to sit in on it and be fed today. God, we pray for your word to bear fruit. And, Lord, we pray for Grace Fellowship Church. Lord, we ask for more than land. We ask for a building, a paid-for place. We ask, Lord, for it in Jesus' name.